Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. reading this morning comes from the first chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 39th verse. This falls immediately upon uh, the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and sharing with her the news that God has chosen her uh, to give birth to the Christ child. And so we'll begin reading with verse 39. As we come to this passage, let us first join together in prayer. Oh, God of grace, it is the testimony of the church, and it is our own experience that as we return to these words of old, that what we hear in the mysteries of your providence is your own whispered word of grace. So we come expectant, oh God, speak to us now. We are here. We are listening. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Listen to this. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the, Lord, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? And For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Well, this year, Christmas should be a little different, a little different from last year. Last year, before vaccines and boosters, last year when there was no one in this sanctuary to join in singing the carols, our Christmas celebrations last year were quieter, fewer people gathering, more distancing. And there wasn't much travel. We missed that. Have you noticed how much traveling there was in the biblical Christmas story? Almost everybody's on the road. The shepherds have to hightail it to Bethlehem. The magi follow the star. Even Mary and Joseph, they leave the Northland of Nazareth and travel to the city of David. For none of them was it like a bucket list trip. The shepherds were sent by the angels. The magi followed the star. Mary and Joseph were sent by Caesar. I guess our travels are a little bit different from theirs in this season in that way. Because usually for us, Christmas travel is something of a blessing. Because usually, Christmas travel is about getting home. 
There's another trip in the biblical story that I didn't mention, but we just read about it. After Mary encounters Gabriel, she, she heads to Elizabeth's house, her relative, her cousin. She, and maybe that was a trip home. The, the scripture never tells us where Mary lives, but it's reasonable to think if her family was in this village that that was her home. Uh, Elizabeth certainly treats it like a homecoming. Reading through that, it reminded me when I was in college, uh, my, my college was on the semester system, so our fall term did not end usually until December 20th or so, and that last week was filled with exams, and which meant it was filled with no sleep because I always put off to the last minute getting ready, you know, if you... If you put it off to the last minute, it only takes a minute. And so I would, I would be cramming all, all week, and, and, and that last day I would turn in my final exam, the blue book. Do you remember blue books? Did you have blue books? I'd turn in my blue book, and I was exhausted. I would throw my clothes in the car, all of them dirty, and I would drive the 175 miles home to Atlanta. And I'd open the back door, and like magic, in a moment, it was... Christmas. The lights were on the tree. There were a few presents beneath the tree. The, the manger scene that my dad bought in Ecuador, exquisite hand-carved manger scene, was arrayed on the mantel. The advent candles were on the kitchen table. Just a few hours earlier, just a few hours earlier when I was in that dreadful land of exams, Christmas felt like a million miles away. I was certainly not in the Christmas spirit, even though it was December the 20th. You couldn't have found a fa-la-la in me if you dug all the way down. But just somehow walking through the back door like magic, it was Christmas. And it was joyful. Christmas has its own kind of joy, doesn't it? We're thinking about joy in this season, and I want us to think about it because I don't know if you see it this way, but I wouldn't be surprised if you do. Joy is not always that easy to find. It's not always that easy to embrace because there's so much that makes it hard. There's so much about the pressures and strains of the world that are heavy, and I'm not just talking about COVID. COVID is one of those pressures, but I'm also talking about the relentless drumbeat of violence and the constant shootings that are so much a part of our culture. I'm talking about the creeping expansion of financial insecurity that's eating up homes and eroding communities. We're talking about the regular failure of our institutions to do their duties with honor. I'm talking about the personal consistent storms that hit our personal lives. Joy is a rare disposition. But for people of faith, for people of faith, I think joy comes as a friend. And I think joy can be a fairly constant companion. Stick with me. I want to reflect today on our greatest reason for joy, even in a world that gives us numerous reasons not to be joyful. Joy is ours. Now I say that, I realize
that's for all of us, me included. There are times when it feels that our joy is running a bit of a court low or so. But let's listen to this story. Let's revisit this story again and see if it doesn't remind us of our reasons for joy. Mary is visited by an angel with unparalleled news, inexplicable news, that for reasons Mary's still trying to understand, the Spirit of God will take on flesh and she will give birth to a child who is born of flesh like every child and born of God's Spirit like no other child. And the first thing that Mary does is she makes a beeline. That's what my grandmother would say. I don't even know what a beeline is. She makes a beeline to her cousin Elizabeth's house. And as she arrives with no more of a you-who-guess-who's home, Elizabeth explodes in joy. Now, you need to remember this. Elizabeth and Zechariah, they, they are the people that Mary is visiting. And and Elizabeth is pregnant at this moment with a son who will be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. And, and Ze- an angel told Zechariah this would what would happen, that they would have a son and his name would be John. But Zechariah and Elizabeth are old. Presbyterian home kind of old. And... So Zechariah, after spending his whole life childless, is sort of surprised that now in his elder years he's going to have a child and his surprise was not taken well by Gabriel the angel. And so Gabriel tells Zechariah he will be speechless, mute, until the child is born. So when Mary arrives at Zechariah and Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth is the only one who can talk. And she's quite good at it. (laughs) Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord would come to me? And for as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believes. I mean, just, just, I mean, you sort of wonder. If Zachariah being speechless actually changed anything in their communication dynamic at home, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. It is fair to say she is overcome with joy. Mary comes to visit, and Elizabeth can barely contain herself. Why? Because love has arrived. This family at the door. And in the ways of providence, Elizabeth knows It's not just family at the door, but in God's own mysterious ways, the love of God is at her door too. When love comes to visit, joy, joy comes with it. David Wythe, in a beautiful little book called Consolations, he he says that joy is a deep form of love. I think that's right. I think joy is connected to 
love. It's a little different than happiness. We'll talk about that next week. Joy is a form of love. Joy is a relational disposition. It is tied to the love in our lives. That's why Elizabeth can barely contain herself, and that's why when John kicks in her womb, she knows it's a reaction of joy because love has come to her home. Some of you are in this stage in your life now, and some of you remember it, some of you will expect it, but there was a time, long time ago, there was a time when my kids were little that all I had to do was come home, just come home, just come through the door, and they would stop everything. They would drop everything and run to the door. Daddy's home. Daddy's home. And, and then there'd just be a, a cacophony of questions. And state. Guess what, Daddy? Look, Daddy, watch me do this. Oh, it was wonderful. Now, if you've experienced that, you know that that is not a permanent condition. Because <laughs> later that's followed with, I come home and there's barely a heartbeat registering that I've come home. And if, if, they, if they express anything, it's more like you again. <laughs> and all of the guess what, daddy, and look at this, daddy, is replaced with nothing, whatever. But by the grace of God, that stage is not permanent either. Two summers ago, our son had been living in New York City for about four years. He decided to come back to Kansas City. And there's a thing of joy to have a young adult child in your zip code. It, it, it may be more joyful than even having him in your extra bedroom, but to have him in your zip code, a four-minute drive is a gracious thing, and, and it's joy. That's just what it is. And so now he sometimes comes by. He comes by to eat dinner with us or to watch a ball game. And when he does, Carol and I, and Nathan, we've kind of reversed roles. Carol and I are now like, Nathan's home. Oh, Nathan, good. Look at this. Nathan, have we told you about this? We've sort of traded roles, and it's joy. Because love has come to the door. And when love comes to the door, joy accompanies it. Am I making sense to you? Mary comes to Elizabeth's house, and Elizabeth explodes in joy like a little kid. Look, Mary's home, Mary's home. But Elizabeth knows, and I don't know how she knows, and I don't care how she knows. She just knows that it's not just family at the door. But the love of God has come to her house. The love of God that calls her by name has come to her home, that God has found her too. Now, a few moments ago, I said something that when I did, if you raised your eyebrows, and I wouldn't blame you, I said for people of faith, joy can be a fairly constant companion. It can only be true if we trust that the love of God has found us, has searched us out, and come into our own lives, that God wants to be where you are. Uh, some of you know 
I'm not the, I'm not the best pet person. Some of you will see that as a spiritual deficiency. I'll, I'll, accept, I'll accept that. I've told, I told you before, we, we used to have a cat that lived in our alley cat, lived with us for about 15, 17 years. When we moved from old Leewood to, to Brookside, I guess that's where Allie got educated that moving was possible, and so she moved too. She, she moved down the street and started living with our neighbors. She upgraded, um, and uh, she was an outdoor cat, loved to go outdoors, and she just quit coming home. She just decided she'd rather live with the neighbors down the street. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with my grief. I say all of this so that you will not in any fashion think that the following poem that I want to read to you is one that I wrote. No, it was written by the better writer in our family, our daughter Sarah. I want to read you a little poem entitled, What My Dog Taught Me About God. She writes, I have noticed that when my dog does not know where I am, she will look for me in every room. Nose pushed under bed covers, behind doors, paws patting down the hallway, listening, smelling, seeking. Until she hears me, until she sees me, and then she's running my way. Sometimes I think God and I play the same game. Each one of us seeking the other. So if I can't find God under covers, behind doors, down the hall, or anywhere, I try to stay still. Because I know God will check every room. And I know God will never stop seeking me. The Holy Spirit is running my way. My dog taught me that point today is pretty simple. The whole meaning of Christmas, the whole reality of Christmas is that the love of God has sought you out. God has chosen to come to your house, to your life, to our world. The love of God was born in human history because God could not bear to be away from us. You are loved by the love that makes sense of your life and that makes sense of the universe, and that love has come. So whatever the bad news is this week, and it's another week, so there will be bad news, but whatever the bad news is this week, remember the love of God never stops seeking you. The love of God has come to your house, to your life, to our world. And when we know that, joy is its companion. So lean into that joy. That's the promise of Christmas. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.